Welcome back to the Economy of Wellbeing podcast. I'm your host, Mark Anielski. Today is July 14th. I'm very pleased to have with me today, Kaylee Worsley, who is a 22-year-old student at Nate in here in Edmonton, who grew up in a low-income household raised by her single mother, living in Edmonton's Capital Region Housing Corporation's affordable housing apartments. There are about 6,000 of those apartments serving Edmontonians who live in low-income situations. Uh, Kaylee Boley reached out to me one day on LinkedIn, having heard the podcast interview with Greg Dooling, the CEO of Capital Region Housing Corporation. She was intrigued with my work on trying to measure well-being of some of the tenants and to appreciate that these tenants who live in poverty have incredible potential, uh, sometimes not fully realized. She suggested that I might want to hear her story about growing up in so-called poverty uh, with an amazing single mom who taught her a lot about resilience and just getting up after being knocked down many times, possibly bullied. She wanted me to, to hear some of the opportunities she sees for people like herself to aspire to a better life and leaving that intergenerational challenge of poverty behind them. Kylie is currently working for Ruby Carr, who's the owner of Block 1912 Cafe on White Avenue. As a cafe's social media manager, you might have heard her interviewed yesterday on Global and also on CBC. Her goal is to help the artistic works of young artists, especially those like herself who grew up in poverty and whose art needs to be seen and discovered by all of us. Kaylee is an inspiration to all of us who pursue our dreams and try to achieve genuine happiness by simply celebrating the gifts of our spirit. Enjoy this inspired young woman sharing her vision and her ideas for a better future. I know it's spelled really odd, but it's pronounced Kaylee, and then my last name is Worsley. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in affordable housing, so I was just born and then still <laughs> here. Born. Here you are. I was just thrust into this life. Yeah, thrust into this No, I... You didn't know what you signed up for. <laughs> no, I really didn't. I just kind of came home as a baby and I was like, oh, okay, this is it. All right. <laughs> um, is it. I think that's okay, the way awesome. most of us start, right? It's like, what? I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay. Um, yeah, that's just kind of what I wanted to come on here and talk about mm -hmm. um, growing up kind of in that environment and, and seeing like a perspective from the inside versus just wondering what it's like. I can actually tell you um, because it's quite interesting growing up in this kind of dynamic of the mindset of the people who live here and the mindset of, of the way people treat you because you live here. So mm. it's a very different world, I find. Right, right. And how have you, um, so you, I mean, you grew up in, um, I mean, I, I don't even, I've studied poverty. I don't like, I don't even like the word poverty because even the French word, what does it mean to be poor, right? Yeah. To me, it's yeah. it's all it seems to be about lack of sufficient income um, to meet your needs, and we know that in the affordable housing space, it's defined by if you spend thirty percent or more of your income on on rent or housing, you're considered in need of well in need of affordable housing. Um, and yet, in the study of happiness, we know that 
money isn't the only thing that that contributes to your happiness and or certainly a certain level of income is needed i think to meet your basic needs or to participate in society but what what is your experience mean now you're you're um you know and and a lot of people say well it's very hard to um to crawl out of poverty right so yeah you know and and there's kind of intergenerational poverty that sometimes happens and it seems like you're you're transcending that um it's not like your mom was bad or anything or just bad luck, but um, how how is that been for you as, as a young person experiences and this sort of now seeing that maybe there's a pathway out of um, those kind of constraints? Um, so my mom was like, is, I should say, such a fantastic person. And she just, like you said, just got unlucky with life. Um, she was kicked out of her house at 16. So she was on the streets. Um, yeah, she's had such a hard go at it. And the fact that she even like was strong enough to have me and then give me a good life, even though like it wasn't normal, quote unquote, mm. like a normal white picket fence life. She did a phenomenal job. <laughs> Whatever for, normal is. Yeah. yeah I, quote unquote, I don't even know I don't what normal even, is. Yeah. I honestly couldn't tell you um <laughs> especially me i can't i'm a middle class <laughs> yeah i don't know what yeah. normal is yeah she did she did amazing for being a single mom uh, she just kind of had a rough go at it but she did her best and um my dad was was not very helpful he um he kind of was really dragged us down uh for lack of not wanting to fully express my thoughts he just kind of held her back and he was very abusive and, and did a lot of drugs um and that i think that that trickled down from his mom because i was gonna say grandma, was that was that from his experience as a as a kid as a his own yeah, family experience I, I wish i knew more about him because i mean i stopped speaking with him when i was 17 so that's six mm. years now yeah, and um yeah. I didn't, I mean, as a kid, you're not really like, oh, like, what was your life like? <laughs> yeah, kid, right. Like, no <laughs> I'm not trying to have, like, this deep bond. I'm just trying to play football with my dad, you know? I, yeah, I never exactly. really thought um, But I do know from my own personal experience with my grandma that she is very abusive, like, mentally. So I think that he must have had something happen to him, and then that kind of trickled down to me. But I wanted to break that um, – that abusive nature. I didn't want to, to allow that in my life. And I wanted to keep my space very clear of, of anything, but like pure love. So I just decided to cut them kind of out of my life for my own well-being and my mom mm -hmm. too. I had to protect safety, her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just, um, so that, I mean, that's kind of like the family dynamic you'll see in capital region housing in Edmonton at least, because I know that they're the company that subsidizes housing, but I think in this kind of space, it's a lot of people who have had a hard go at life and just kind of, this is where they ended up. And now they're all kind of in that mindset that, you know, this is it. This is what life is. Like, we can never get out. We can never do better. And I don't believe in that. I'm like, there's always a way out. Like, you can always do better. So 
I'm kind of just the one that's always like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Like we can do this. We can do better. And I think being around such a lack of positivity and a lack of education really pushed me to do more with myself. Mm -hmm. So I kind of see like both sides of it. Like I understand where these young kids come from because they're like, I don't want to go to school. Like, I think most of the teenagers in my complex actually stop. Sorry, did what? Like, there's, they stop going to school. They stop going to school. Yeah. They just stop. Like, going. What, what's just the school. point, right? That we're. Yeah, they're yeah. just like, well, there's no way out. Like, this is our life. Like, we have no goals. Mm. And it, it just, it makes me sad to see that because this isn't the end of the, the tunnel. Like, there's a light. You just gotta <laughs> keep going. That's right. There's light at. <laughs> you know. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. even when i was young i i thought too i'm like well this must just be it (laughs) there's nothing better out there but i don't know by the grace of god it was just like you can keep doing you can keep going so right wow so you're through your own volition your free your own free will which we all have right you persisted um you i think you've you see that there's a path, certainly through education. I mean, education is so oh, critical yeah. to overcoming the, mm-hmm. um, and, and yet, I mean, the challenges of, I think the truth is, you know, I think the statistics are probably quite shocking. The level of domestic violence, uh, mental abuse, yeah. like sexual abuse, like it's just staggering. And it it's remarkable that we, we can function at all as society. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like you know, if the stats are right, you know, half of us have had some experience, right? Of, and so somehow we, you know, some of us do transcend it. Some of us fall into cycles of violence ourselves. And, um, but you're an example of, you know, over trying to overcome that. Um, Yeah, I think we all have a similar. I, I have a similar story too. It's not like. I, I lived in an abusive environment, but my dad came out of World War II, right, in Germany oh. with his own experience of living as a kid during the war, the, you know, the end of the war and seeing his parents, you know. Um, it's very damaging. Damaging, right? Seeing yeah. dead, your friends die in front of you. I mean, the horrors of war, just, you can't, I can't even fathom. Like, I, I got nothing. So, um you know, we've lived, we haven't lived in war ourselves, but we have a different kind of war that goes on that. Um, and so the strength of the human spirit is quite remarkable. Yeah, I like this one quote. I, um, I have an app on my phone and it's called Motivate. And it's just a bunch of like quotes that pop up every day to help me, I don't know, to help everybody, I guess. And there's one video I watched and the, the narrator was like, it's really hard to kill the human spirit. And I thought that that was just so beautiful because um, obviously metaphorically, sometimes literally, but mostly metaphorically, how many times I've been like kicked on the ground, you know, it's just Mm. like, and then I just get back up and I'm like, okay, like, it's fine. I got this. And it's been, you know, my whole life. And I'm just like, wow, like I can keep going. That's phenomenal. You know, I'm like, wow, it's hard to kill the human spirit. And I, I so strongly true. believe that. Yeah. Because yeah. we are, you know, the, the word happiness means well-being of your spirit, right? That's what it means in the Greek. And um, 
people always say, oh, how could you be a happiness economist? And I said, well, in the true definition of that word, um, mm-hmm. then our spirit is strong, right? And it's, uh, yeah. it's what keeps us, yeah, going and hope and joy and love and all those squishy words. Yeah, that, all yeah. those like beautiful things that make you feel pretty inside and out. Yeah. Like yeah. butterfly. It makes you feel like butterflies are flying and like a rainbow's in the <laughs> So I know people you, are like that's cheesy, but so you you know, living in I mean this again the stigma of, of saying, Well, you know, in our own neighborhood I'm sure we have low income families, right? And right. I wouldn't even know. It doesn't from the outside you could say, Well, that looks like a lower valued house and a duplex and but i don't know their story and but also i don't i don't feel like um you know we've got probably like drug dealers across the street right now i don't feel compelled to go hey guys what do you let's have your <laughs> chop shop or whatever you're doing there i don't know know what you're doing i just know you're really productive and the police come sometimes and, no they're they're really busy but they're clearly like you know just doing That's hilarious. but they're entrepreneurs like i give them credit i have to say you know people yeah. can say oh they're really sketchy and scary i says yeah but they're just i think they're just surviving in in a, an economy in a weird ecosystem we're in now in this covid like are you kidding me like how else are they going to survive uh sure. as long as they're not breaking into my house um but it's fascinating because i don't know their story um true and they're the marginalized and they probably came from abused families. Like who knows these guys are, they're tough looking, right? They're um, anyways. Um, I know I, I went way off, off track here, but <laughs> only to say okay. in your experience of like the stigma, you know, how did you experience the stigma of, or, you know, because as soon as we define you as, Oh, you live in low income housing or you're mm-hmm. poor. Like we use these words, which are damaging. They don't define your spirit. Yeah. I, I found that when I was growing up, it was a little harder for me psychologically because I knew I, we didn't have a lot of money. And mm-hmm. I went to school with kids who had houses and who had a mom and a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, they had new clothes or, or they had nice cell phones, you know, like yeah. flip phones, but sure. still flip phones, phones back then. Yeah. Right? They had they had new gaming systems or or whatever was trendy back when I was ten. I can't even really remember. Um, <laughs> but I I got bullied a lot in school, and mm. I know that my mom also got bullied amongst parents. Interesting. And I, oh, it was it's hard. Like thinking back at it, how many times she had to defend me, like come to my school and be like, no, like my daughter's getting the same education. It doesn't matter. And wow. she fought very, very hard for me. Oh yeah. She's a spitfire. That one. <laughs> <laughs> she, she didn't let, she didn't let the fact that her own life was so hard get to me. Mm. She made, she made sure that I was very well protected and that I didn't go through the same things as her. And uh, I'm very grateful to her for that because she just protected me at all costs. And Incredible. I just think that that's so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. But um, one thing I do strongly remember, I played, uh, I played a lot of sports growing up. 
and sports are kind of expensive. So what kind of sports? Um, honestly, like all of them. <laughs> That's fantastic. Anything you're, I could get my hands you're on. Just a natural athlete. Yeah, very, very natural. Um, I played floor hockey for a bit. I played volleyball. I played basketball. Um, I played soccer. So I was nice. very involved. Yeah, it's tons of medals, so it's cool. It feels oh, good now. Yeah. yeah, I really, I'm happy. But um, I played club soccer. So, so did our daughter. Which, which club? Oh, I played for Juventus. Oh, Juventus. Yeah, our da- daughter yeah. played for Scottish. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Scottish. They have nice uniforms. <laughs> I oh, liked Juventus, though. They, they, were, they, they had were the best team. Like, they, the girls stuck together. She was nine when she joined, and she was 18 when she was done, right? And, 17 they went to the nationals and they yeah yeah really great just just a great experience of just you know unity of i mean watching as you know with club soccer it's just another level of yeah um, it's very family very growth yeah orientated it's it's good yeah yeah Um, yeah. in my experience i had a good time I was treated fairly, uh, but at the moment in my life, I was going through a lot of things. I went through, obviously my dad, like being mentally like abusive to me and Mm. always stealing my money. Like he would just take all my money (laughs) from my, like my birthday cards and my Christmas cards. (laughs) He would like, yeah, he's a character man. (laughs) He would take my things to the pawn shop. Yeah. So I was going through a very hard time while playing on this club team and, none of the other players could relate to what I was going through because like their parents were just quote unquote more normal than mine. Yeah. Um, but the, some of the parents, they had a lot of money. Right. And they would exclude my mom purposely. <laughs> like, it was brutal because they knew we didn't have a lot of money. So like, wow. you know, club tournaments, I'd be like, okay, well, like my mom has to work a casino and, the parents would just like, I remember this one guy, um, he invited everybody out for wings one night and then purposely said everybody's name, but my mom, like just, she was there, but he was like, and it's just brutal. Like she didn't do anything to him. Right. She just had, a, she's just a single mom. Like yeah, what, yeah. Do you, what do you want her to do? You know, like she, yeah, she can't do anything. Be right? inclusive. Like she has her own, <laughs> Yeah, like even if she's like, no, I can't go. At least you still invited her. Absolutely. Um, they were just so mean to her, and and um, a lot of the parents treated me differently too because I, you know, I'm just like a poor kid from the ghetto, basically in their mind, right? Like, but I'm still an equal player, you know. Like I was good yeah. at soccer. There's no doubt about that. But we just got treated very differently in that kind of setting. Huh, interesting. Yeah, yeah that's so. that's very. I mean, that is true of club soccer parents in general i think you have all kinds of weird dynamics but i i don't i don't think we ever experienced that in our group like we similarly we have like south side families who are you know i think pretty well, well to do yeah 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 it's a lot it's a lot different when you're that and and like they all had decent families like honestly i've like mm-hmm. i remember i used to hang out at a couple of their houses because we were really close and they lived in these really nice areas and at the time too, we were so poor that I was eating cereal like every day, you know, like, so they would be like, do you want to come over for dinner? And I was like, oh my God, food? 
What? You want to feed me? More than Cheerios or whatever I was eating. More than Captain Crunch? Like, of course I'll be there. Captain Crunch is my favorite. (laughs) Me too, but after too much sugar, too much sugar. Oh my god. I know. I'm so surprised I'm okay now. <laughs> really? <laughs> Jeez. But God. yeah. No, I was eating it so much and I was just crazy. When they would invite me over, I'm like, okay, I can eat food or like I'm gonna use their really expensive shampoo if I shower there. Like <laughs> it was just it was such wow. a crazy time in my life. Yeah. So there's just a big stigma when you don't have money and and it's not even like outside people either just judging you you also judge yourself which i think it's the worst part like i would be like okay well i'm i'm not equal to these other kids how did some of the like the more i'll say i'll be giving here the compassionate friends in your team did they could they relate to you did they were they curious about your experience did you unpack it any of it do you or, or did you form those kind of friendships? I don't think I was very open about what I was going through, mm. of course. Like, mm-hmm. enough that they knew. Sure, sure. But not enough that I wanted to sit there and divulge a bunch of information. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They knew that we struggled, but they didn't know how much we struggled. Right. So there wasn't one... They knew one... that they could give me clothes. Right. So there wasn't, like, one... I, I'm I'm thinking about our daughter because she's very empathetic. Mm. So she would oh. often reach out, like the new the newcomer, right? I mean, there you've, you've got all that ego stuff going on, but just being sort of compassionate enough to pay attention to that new person. And um, so you were saying yet, but I, collectively, I don't think you would ever experience that. But let's say one on one, or did you find anyone anyone from the more privileged class who would kind of be curious about your experience and you're saying not really because you never opened up that yeah i don't think that they i had one really good friend but her her dad didn't like my family they he thought that i was a really bad influence on her um so i already knew that they didn't like they already judged me so i didn't really want to to say too much uh, I knew that they didn't like me, so I just <laughs> kind of kept like the family things to myself, and I just was her friend. And then I had one family um, really help me with school because I was kind of in my rebellious phase from all the things that mm. I've been through. I kind of just, you know, was hanging out with the wrong crowd, like wasn't doing good at school. And um, the mom really helped me like she really did she went and she got like books from this school thing and like helped me study all the time and she would drive me if i needed to be driven and she would feed me all the time so i was very grateful to them Mm. but then i had to quit the team um because i went through something else and i just i was i like was like 14 and i was like i don't have the the headspace to continue pushing the team really wanted to start us on like new diets and train more and i was like right 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 yeah yeah there's no way yeah that's yeah yeah i remember that too it's like wow now that's another level of yeah training that's i don't i don't even get i've never been into elite sports yeah yeah like i just i was like yeah i can't like there's no way you know like yeah yeah so 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 you you boldly reached out to me you you clearly have 
you have a, everyone has a story and you, um, what, what do you want to share about like where you're at? Like, um, and, and maybe a message for other youth of your age and, and in, in a situation where you found yourself in, or do you have that message? You have a, um, what is that you, you want to share with the world, even though my listening audience is very tiny? <laughs> hey, this could blow up. You never know. You never know. I mean, it's not TikTok or anything or whatever. They uh, whatever. We're not selling my information. Are you sure? <laughs> no, no, I am not Facebook. I'm none of those. Yeah. I, I think the main message that would be important for me to speak to people who find themselves in similar situations would be just keep trying. Like that's really it. I mean, it sounds a little cryptic, but just keep trying. (laughs) Just keep moving forward. Just keep. Yeah. If you just find yourself like metaphorically again, sometimes I feel like I'm just laying in a ball in dirt and I just don't want to move, but I just tell myself like you have to, like you just have to do these things. You have to try, you have to attempt you have to try and do better. And I'm actually really proud to say that my mom and I now are actually moving out of Capital Region Housing. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. It we took a really we long need time. to go see Greg Dooling in his office. And does yeah, he, does he like, know you? Does he, does he know you yet? Uh, <laughs> I've spoken to him on the phone. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, I have to do a follow-up email with him. So I'm going to email him today. So he definitely knows me. I think this is an, an amazing story. You know his, do you know his story? I know that he was a pastor In Newfoundland, for 17 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. And he's from Newfoundland. I gauged that when I was on the phone and he said car. And I was like, oh yeah, East Coast. <laughs> car, car, yeah. Car. Yeah. Yeah. No, when um, I met him, I thought, wow, this guy's got, he's got a Newfoundland panache. That's, um, and he's taken over from my, um, from my other friend who was a past CEO, uh, Greg oh, Bounds. Really? Greg Bounds was the, uh, he, he's, uh, I was part of this kind of Catholic, well, not just Catholic, but, you know, network of business, like retired business guys. And, oh. Well, that's how I met Greg Bounds. And then I, did an analysis for the Alberta government on affordable housing. And that's how I met Greg Dooling, um, who had just come in to replace Greg Bounds, who was retiring after 20 some years. Right. And so I was like, I was just, A, I was fascinating with the model, but then I was really intrigued with Greg Dooling because he was just such a energetic and, you know, of course, when you're new, you have all these grand visions of, I think what's possible. And so, yeah, I think it's cool what he's doing with the, um, the new building that they're doing. Yeah. Capital region owns 50% of that building, which I think is very interesting. However, on the flip side, I also know from within cap, like from within the people that the most important thing probably for capital region to succeed is to educate their tenants and do something like an incentive to get them to work or to get them involved with the community. Um, because a lot of people here, I would say probably 95%, which is a high percent, just get money for free from the government and don't do anything. Right. Like I would say 90, I don't think, a, I think one person in my neighborhood has a job. 
Wow. Excluding me. Yeah. It's pretty. And so it kind of makes this, this place where everyone's always home and everyone's just getting everything for free, right? They don't really have to do anything. It's kind of like COVID now. I think a lot of us are like, wait a minute, we just get it. Well, not forever, but if you can get 2000 in your bank account every month and do nothing, but just claim you're unemployed. Now we're like yeah. you. No, we're like yeah. Not all the same. We're on the same level. We're on the same level. And what's no interesting, but I think it. You know, I, I I reflect on this a lot. Is I think we are, we're naturally hardwired to work. Like, you know, hundred percent. That work brings us meaning. I mean, I don't care if you're cleaning houses or you're, you know, doing brain surgery. Uh, hopefully, whatever Anything. we do brings us joy and meaning right so mm-hmm. uh, and so we get dignity from work so I don't think it's I think it's completely inappropriate just to hand people uh, you know an unencumbered paycheck um, for sitting at home because it, it, we know it just kills the human spirit anyways ultimately exactly or makes us it's not even lazy it just makes us kind of flat and it just makes us like a yeah like a flat character we're never evolving we're just sitting here just sitting our thumbs yeah we just soak in so much from the media because we're always on our phones or watching tv and no one really starts to think for themselves like it's just very it's very flat and i find that i mean there's six that a capital region has six thousand properties right imagine how many people that is and imagine that i'm just saying this is just no no it's huge have the data I, well, I, I have the data. <laughs> it's no. big. I mean, for people who are unemployed here. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. saying just 95% because I'm just throwing that number in the air. It could be 80. I don't know. But a big percent don't work. And so that doesn't just affect those families. That starts to affect the entire city. That starts to affect everything. Because now that there's a big portion of people that just have that mindset that I'm going to get everything I want for free. Or I don't have to do anything. I don't have to contribute. And even if you do work in Capital Region, again, you have to pay 30% of your money. So let's say you're making a good amount. You're paying more now to live in a house to have less money when you could just not work, pay less money and have more money. So it creates this dynamic that you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to work because I'll have more money if I just get it for free. Absolutely. So it's, it's so... It's this kind I of constant... I think that's a really good message for, for Greg and the executive and the board, right? To, to say, because at least with Habitat, the, you know, with Habitat, you have, you have households who are working, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, a couple are working. It might be migrant families, right? So mm-hmm. you've got a different cohort. You've got a forty-five to $55,000 a year income household, right? Yeah. Uh, that. And so you're that's, working for that. And you're working now with with capital. You're you're saying even if it's eighty percent, whatever, not working, right? For whatever reason, could be uh, all all kinds of medical and you know reasons. You're on ACE or whatever you're on, but mm-hmm. um, but you're right. I think what would be nice to see is capital and and Habitat's mission is to graduate someone out of poverty out of lower income so as soon as you hit the $65,000 kind of household income mark you're probably mm-hmm. better off leaving like probably like your mom and you is like okay we've we know we can now you know uh, not because 
it's not nice to be part of Habitat. It's just because now we can afford a down payment, right, on a on a market yeah. house because we reach a certain level of income in the in the Edmonton mm-hmm. economy that allows us now to be more, you know, I wouldn't even say normal, but in a different tax bracket, but you know, et cetera. Yeah, integrated back into like a different like the level of society everyone else feels that they're at. So yeah, I. Th- I so get, had an idea. Yeah, give to, us your ideas. Yeah, I had an idea for Capital Region. I'm. I was th- like, because I see so many kids here. Well, I actually took a project on at Block 1912 where I work the social media. Yeah. yeah. So I had an idea to take some of the kids here because they're very talented. Um, they're art, and so I talked to the owner, and now we have like a local youth wall for underprivileged kids. So we put up their art for sale. So they can have that money and put it. That's I don't so know, good. It's a future. That's kind Thank of like you, carrot. Yeah. It's like the carrot cafe on uh, 118th Ave. You know that social yeah. enterprise, right? Um, yeah. So, are the owners? Who are the owners of Block 19? Are they? It's 1912. Sorry, name's Ruby. No, that's Ru- okay. Her name's Ruby. Ruby. Yeah, she's fantastic. Because I think the previous owners were um, Lebanese or something. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, she bought it from them. Okay. Yeah, she's a nice lady. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, running restaurants, restaurant economics are tough. Like, <laughs> they're I really mean, tough. I'm like, you want pictures for Instagram? Ask me. Other than like, that, yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite uh, places where I wrote my book, the Sugar Bowl. Um, you know, it's. Oh, uh, I like that cafe. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's been around since. Actually, if you go to the back of the building, uh, there's this a painted sign on the back over the door it says the sweetest place in town town 1943 so 1943 43, it's been a cafe on and off right it's probably had some years where it was not a cafe but um i mean the amazing story of abel shifru who um who from ethiopia originally mm-hmm. so a refugee he he works for kim who owns a high-level diner and he's and he stays he lives in her basement and then he he he's a waiter at the the diner and then eventually he uh buys a sugar bowl also from a i think a lebanese family who ran it when i started going there in the mid 80s but my oh. point about the sugar bowl is that bell is uh and he's an incredible entrepreneur Mm-hmm. And he has always been promoting art inside the cafe. So he has people's art hanging on the walls on a kind of rotating basis. So yeah. I think it is a good model that 1912 could. Uh, and I think with your story about the link to, right? Um, yeah, I thought it was important for them. Yeah. And I, I really like, I mean, I could kind of see your, I could see your future. You're going to be, you're going to be, <laughs> part of the team at capital region you're going to create an entrepreneur social entrepreneurial kind of venture inside of capital region help people like migrate out of uh income subsidy dependency yeah. right because it's it's a it's like being hooked on drugs i think it's it it's is. an addiction right it's bad yeah and, and i it, see it every day and it kills the human spirit it, it doesn't it do really anything does. for mm-hmm. yeah. i see my neighbors and you know, they don't even walk with their heads up. They walk with their heads down. You can tell by their body posture, they're not happy. Yeah. What do they do all day? They just get high. Like, they don't care. And their kids don't go to school. Their kids aren't in any extracurricular activities. 
Like these kids have a lot of talent. I see them, you know, I know that the kids beside me are very good at soccer, but can, you know, does their dad want to put them in there? No, no. Like there's a kid that's always outside singing. Does her mom want to pay for her singing lessons? No, no. Like, it's, or can't mentally says I can't afford it. Can't afford the club. Yeah. I mean, whether you ever play club soccer, right. Can you pay the fees? Mm -hmm. So yeah, there, there's that constraint always and it's i think it's all a lot of it's just in the mind as you said you have to of keep course, yeah. getting up yeah you have wow. to just be like okay this is this is gonna be beneficial i'm gonna just spend the money and the money will come back it's you know and i think if, if i know it's technically like capital region is a, a landlord kind of that's what they say anyways when yeah. i talk to them about these things <laughs> they are but, the landlord yeah but, yeah, but they're a city, they're a city funded enterprise, right? So in yeah. a way we're all owners, like I'm a taxpayer in a way I'm a co-owner in capital region as of an course, enterprise, yeah. right? So my I interest, think your tax dollars would be good. Yeah. Cause I want you to flourish. I want, I want to see you, you know, come out of poverty. Uh, exactly. Why wouldn't I? Of course. Cause everyone has yeah. talent. Like, Everyone has something to contribute. So I want to talk to you about, because you know, you're one of the, the, the families, I think, that filled out the well-being survey that I kind of yeah. proposed and helped implement for capital. And the idea was that if we could measure well, changes in well-being, uh, subjectively even, mm -hmm. that we could make that kind of an aspiration for making things better for, for families, right? And well-being right. was actually then central to capital regions mission statement so mm -hmm. what was your like what do you think about measuring well-being that way and your kind of idea like how do we make the aspiration of a better life sort of mm. the basis of capital's kind of mission um a couple of the ladies from capital region just visited because i had been in contact with them um kind of having troubles within the neighborhood and i i sent an email um and then i spoke to greg and i just kind of expressed myself and then they came and they we were talking about the survey and they asked me what i think would be better to help the whole neighborhood and i was like just education mm. like education is so key and the root of the problem is that some people just don't have it and we're in a country where education is abundant there's so many resources there's so much help here in Canada I lived in Mexico for a few months last year and it's such a different life like I came back wow. to Canada basically kissing the ground oh yeah I was just so like I love Mexico and I love the culture I love the language like they're great people but the government is just not present and they just don't care and when i came back here i was so happy that like i can call the police and ask for help and they'll come i can yes, call an ambulance yes. and they'll come you know or someone will come and collect the garbage and i don't have to live in garbage and i can go outside and there's beautiful parks like i was just so grateful to have that and i think if capital region just implemented some sort of educational system or some sort of way to get involved with the community for the tenants, it would make this place go from like a very low frequency place to a higher one because mm. these people are just bored. They just have had hard lives and they don't know what to do. And 
I understand that it's not the responsibility of a landlord to make sure that you're happy in your home, but if you want to build a community and it is kind of your responsibility, like as a human being of earth, I think that it is sort of my responsibility to make sure that I don't let it just go to crap. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. I don't, I don't want these well, kids to just, I think that, I think that there's, there's great wisdom what you said, because there's also joy and not necessarily ownership, right. But, but mm-hmm. having a sense of, I'm responsible for my well-being, mm-hmm. my asset, my home, mm-hmm. right? I can mm-hmm. I can pick the, my own paint color. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I can build equity, whatever that means. Um, and there's a sense of, I think, great joy in. Um, I know it sounds weird to say ownership, but responsibility um, yeah. for the assets that are unique to you. Right. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't capital's ultimate aspiration be we're actually going to eliminate poverty as we know it, right? As, yeah. as some of you experience it and, and the cycle ends by understanding mm-hmm. what you're talking about, which mm-hmm. is this deeper understanding of what brings us dignity, uh, yeah. what brings us joy, you know? And yeah, yeah and we can overcome even the worst abuses we've experienced, yeah. you know, yes, we can. <laughs> of course we can. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes we just need an extra hand. Yeah. Or just some, someone to just be like, okay, it's okay. Like I'll, I'll guide you on the path until you can stand by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that capital region could do, could do a lot if they had the right people on the team. So I'm going to email and suggest some of these things and, and be like, you should put me on the team. <laughs> I have 24 years experience. <laughs> you do. You have 24 yeah, no, years, that. not like three years of education at Nate or something. You no, have 24 like, years of lived yeah. experience of, mm-hmm. as you said, you know, getting thrown down, sometimes getting up, keep going, having a mom who encourages you to uh, yeah, aspire so to better. I mean, that's it, right? We just aspire, all of us aspire to better, whatever that means. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And why wouldn't we love to do something? Cause it's a lot of people. Right. And then from educating them and helping them out, imagine how many people are going to start thriving and how good the economy is going to do too. If people are, there's 6,000 homes, 6,000 families. Imagine what it'll look like for every party involved. If they do better, get a better job, start spending more money, get more education, then their kids start flourishing. And then it's just kind of like everyone plants a seed and everyone grows. Yeah. That's Everyone grows. This place. Everyone That's grows, fantastic. Thanks. Well, I don't know gonna... how to do it, but well, <laughs> that was what that was my reflection, my comment from my uh, Singaporean friend this morning. I said, "Okay, Desmond, how do we build a how do we build an operating model of a, a civilization of love?" And he says, "I don't know." <laughs> and I said, "Good response." So none of us know exactly what to do next but we you know there are a common sense there's just experience yeah. <laughs> right there's just day after day one foot in front of the other yeah and the journey just emerges you know knowing you know the the greatest thing i think to keep at bay is anxiety or fear that i will mm-hmm. just cycle back to what i was but um no we just keep going yeah. well, i, I think you've got going. You've got a lot to offer. And what are you studying at Nate again? Um, conservation biology. Oh, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. 
very which itself is that's fascinating because if as a forester i think we talked earlier is like you, if you look at how ecosystems function and their incredible resilience right and diversity yeah. so you could say that in our human ecosystem we need we need diversity of people and experiences and low income and high income and right um mm-hmm. because it's that diversity that if we respect our diversity we will we will just be more resilient yeah it's what helps ecosystems flourish is the diversity everything helps each other yeah so if yeah. we just keep helping each other like there's no end to what we can do yeah so we can look forward to uh Kaylee being the future CEO of Capital Region, actually, it'll probably be shut down because because <laughs> everyone else has all this money. <laughs> or it'll be a spectrum. I've I've seen this like Kia's like, yeah, spectrum from homelessness to like you know habitat for humanity, and then you know so-called middle class. I mean, you got a spectrum, right? And um, I've known some of my best friends have been street, you know, street guys, indigenous, right? And yeah. Gosh, what a what a crazy wildlife. But as some of them would say, like these are the real people. They're authentic. They they struggled, but they're still alive and their spirit is strong and mm-hmm. unbelievable. The resilience of indigenous people is just incredible. They're incredible. Yeah. Especially yeah. through all the generational trauma that they've faced. Ridiculous. The way they get back up, it just—I'm in awe. Their humor is, is incredible to me. <laughs> so. I just bought a new book on, and um, I went to the bookstore on White Ave, and it was about—it's about—it's um, called Daughters of the Earth. So it's stories about Indigenous women and what they've faced, and I'm so excited to read it. Oh, it's—they're my Indigenous elders or women are my teachers. So because the ones there, like you. yeah, I have some pretty amazing. Masquachis and Dene from mm. Yellowknife and Caroline Hilton in Vancouver, or Victoria, so cool. who's from the New Channel Nation. And there's so much, yeah. so much opportunity mm. to be better. There's so much growth potential here. So much. I see it every day. Yeah. It makes me, it makes me sad to see it go to waste. So I want to do whatever I can to make sure it doesn't. Well, you are you're going to be a very important person in this city and. Well, um, thank you. You know, you know, one of my favorite people is Aaron Paquette, who you, you might know. Um, I actually emailed him about some of the issues I was facing. I would love to sit with him and talk to him about getting some more kids involved at Block 1912. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Well, thank uh, you. Okay. We might see you at uh, Block 1912 if, if you frequent I'll be it. there. 